0: reading 2, six through 3.11. Therefore, as you receive Christ the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him, who is in the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through the faith and the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and the worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you die to the eternal excuse me, to the elemental spirits of the word. Why, as if it were you're still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings? These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the bottle, but they are, not of, they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh." Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, and slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. You may be seated.
1: Good morning. Will you pray with me as we begin? Father, we're grateful this morning for your word. Lord, I do pray your word this morning would sound forth. Pray that the faith of those here at Hope in Christ would go forward. Pray that it would be known here among those at Hope in Christ. The Word of God is going forward, the Word of God is being lived out. Father, we thank you this morning for your Word, for the truth that you give to us in your Word. And I pray, Father, that the body here would receive this Word, that this church would welcome. The word this morning, not as the word from man, but as it is in truth, the very word of God. This word of God works mightily and effectively in those who believe. May that be said of us this morning as we hear that we would be hearing your truths and apply, be about the practice and exercising of your truths from your word. Thank you, Father. For this glorious truth. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this week we had a new electric box put in in the house. The electric company sent a representative over to the house this week to disconnect our power. The line servicing power to our house goes underground and goes out to um, pole out in our front yard by the road. So the gentleman came out, disconnected our power source. A few hours later, the gentleman who was working on our electric box, very handy man, believer in the Lord too. He disconnected all the wiring from our old box. He took the old box out. He put a new box in. And then he reconnected all of the wires. Quite a tedious task. I was watching and, and observing for quite a while. And, but you know, once he was done, he phoned the electric company again. The representative came back out to the house. He reconnected our power to the house. And then one by one, we took the light in the house. As the breaker switches were all being turned back on. Lights came on, fans came on, beep came on from the microwave, power was back on. Power had been restored as a result of the proper connections being made. Without a connection to the power source, no lights, no fan, no microwave, no water pump in action, no, you fill in the blank, keep going. Power is manifested when you You might recall this, especially you young people, you walk into the room and 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 maybe there's a little switch right beside the entryway to your room and you flip the switch. When you flip the switch, you turn the light on. And habitually many of us think nothing of just flipping the switch. You flip it and what happens? Light comes on. And you flip it again the other way, and it goes off. It's a pretty neat thing. Sometimes this can be a fantastic discovery for little ones. Huh? Anybody in your house ever done that? Just like to stand right by the light switch and go, boop, 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 We've had a few that have enjoyed that process. Have you ever considered, though, what needs to happen for that light to go on? I mean, when you flip that switch, there's a wire that's connected to your electrical box. I, I, I did learn some things this week. Some of you are, are far, far ahead of me, so bear with my ignorance on this subject matter. But you flip that switch, there's a wire that's connected to your electrical box. And you've got a breaker switch there that's specifically set aside for your light switch. The switch that you flip on is connected to this breaker ...in the electrical box. But there's more. You see, that breaker box is connected to a source of power outside the home... ...which in our case, out by the front road. But should a storm arise and knock out our power... ...there is an electrical power station about a half mile west of our house... ...that controls the power for the whole area. Now, when you flip that switch on... ...I want you to consider that the connections... The connections that are in place to make the lights function as they should, they're there for a reason, for a purpose, to make sure that those lights operate properly. You must be connected to the right power source to have the lights come on. I want you to consider this as well. When you turn the switch on, how long does it typically take for the light to come on? Now, some of you may have faulty lights... and it may take a second for them to come on. In general, how long? Immediately. They come on like that. With the flip of a switch. So not only must you be connected to a power source... to have the light come on... but you get immediate light when you flip that switch. The change from darkness to light is immediate. The environment in that room goes from... a place of darkness... to a place of light. Where once it was dark... It's now light immediately. There's a change instantly with the flip of the switch and the connection to the power. I hope we're seeing where this is going. If you have your Bibles open, Colossians chapter three, I'd like to walk you through these first four verses this morning, which I believe are gonna be helpful for all of us in Christ to see the significance of ...of another kind of connection. We're looking today at the third Gospel Marker in our Gospel Marker series. Week one we looked at man's sin, the problem, man's sin. Last week we looked at the solution to that problem... ...which is Jesus and his atoning, sufficient, sacrificial death on the cross. Jesus is the only way to the Father. Today I'd like to preach about this connection that we have in Christ, Jesus... When you became a new creation, and we spoke of that last week from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. When you became a new creation in Christ, what happened? What connection was made that enabled you to be a new creation? When you are connected to Christ, the theological term that's used here is our union with Christ. Our union with Christ, what difference does this make? What does the Bible have to say about your union with Christ? And what difference does this union with Christ have in the life of a believer? These are all very important questions. I want you to see that your connection to Christ is the gateway to experiencing all the spiritual blessings available to you. No connectivity to Christ. No spiritual blessings. You know, we live... As we think about a connectivity aspect, we live in a wired and connected world, don't we? Or perhaps it's best to say we live in a wireless world. Connected. In about every place you would go, public place, there is now this Wi Fi capability. You are able, in fact, even in this school building, you are probably able to connect to the internet, World Wide Web. I pray, Lord willing, you're not searching and seeking the internet this morning while the message is being preached. But we have access, do we not? To the world around us. We are connected. Being connected to the internet, various forms of social media. Let me ask you a question. If you didn't have those connections any longer, how might your life be different? Some of you are saying, that'd be great. Others of you are sitting here and you're not quite sure. You're not quite ready for those social media connections to disappear. Why is that? And what does that hesitancy have to say about the attachments of your heart? Are you more concerned with internet connectivity than you are understanding from God's word what it means to be connected to Christ and to be a new creation in him? What we're going to see in this text is that being in Christ changes everything. Everything, including your social media, internet connectivity. You take on a new bent, one writer said, a new bent toward the things of Christ now. If you are in Christ, connected to the head. So this letter of Colossians, let me just give you a few bullets to give you some context. Real quickly. First of all, this is a letter to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ. In Christ, that's key. In Christ. He's writing this letter to those who are already connected to Christ. They already have the power source of Christ. This church at Colossae is located some 100 miles east. You'll see it on a map about 100 miles east of Ephesus. Okay? Asia Minor. This church is made up of Jews and Gentiles. Which leads to part of the reason he's writing. There's a problem going on. There's some things happening. He's writing to confront false doctrines that happen to be seeping into the church. And they come in a twofold element, an element of Judaism, which you see in chapter 2. And chapter 2 is really the description of some of these doctrines that are seeping in, these elements of Judaism. He says, Let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a new moon or Sabbaths, right? Which are a shadow of things to come. But the substance, Paul says, is of Christ. These very things over here are pointing to the one, Christ. Here's why you need to be connected to Christ. These things are but a shadow of the reality, Christ. But there's also some elements of this Gnosticism, right? The the word, the original, uh, has in mind a a group of people who desire to be in the know, a group of people who like this this elite knowledge you might think of, right? And, And there's a lot to it. But simply put, as we look in the text, verses 18 and 19, we see some hints of it. Verse 23, this idea of being vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, not holding fast to the head. And then we also see in 23, this neglect of the body says it's of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. As he's writing to confront these doctrines, he's also elevating Christ. I want you to notice this. He's elevating Christ as supreme. Christ is preeminent, Christ is the head. And this book, Colossians, is structurally set up in many ways very similar to that of Ephesians. In Ephesians, you have the first three chapters, doctrinal truths, the last three chapters, the application of those doctrinal truths. Here in Colossians, we have four chapters. We have two chapters of doctrinal truth, and then we have three and four, which ends up being the application of those doctrinal truths. Okay, so that's a little bit of context to to get you an understanding of where we're at. And so 3 and 4 begins unpacking here in Colossians the doctrinal truths in the lives of the believers, those who are already connected. So how does this get worked out in your life? Is that the question that you oftentimes want to know? Yes, it's important to understand what the text says, what the text means. But we also need to know how this applies to our walking and our living every day. Amen? We need to know. If we're not asking those questions, we need to. Because the Bible speaks to how we are to be living right now. This is not just history, nor is it just looking forward to the glory that awaits. And it is glory, as we'll see here in just a moment. There's work to be done now. This good news of the gospel is for right now, church. So, That's where we find ourselves today as we open the word to Colossians 3. We're on the edge, if you will, of transitioning from doctrinal truths... ...refuting errors that have crept into the church in Colossae... ...into an application, an applicable understanding... ...of what it means to live these truths out. So if Christ is the head and we are parts of his body... ...what difference does that make? If I am connected to the head and you are connected to this head... ...as parts of the body, right... Living stones together, Peter might refer to it. If we're all connected to the head being in Christ, what difference does it make? And what are the implications for the parts of the body if we are each one connected to the same power source? These are questions we ought to be asking of the text here. Okay? Look at Colossians 3.1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. There is a conditional statement right here in the text. We need to notice this up front. If then you were raised with Christ. Now on the other side of that conditional statement is an imperative or a command. In fact, two commands follow. The second one being in verse 2. These things that you are to practice are predicated upon the condition of verse 1 being true. Do we see this? One will not seek those things which are above apart from being raised with Christ. Church, do you see this? Apart from his connection with Christ. Remembering the context of this letter is helpful here. Having just addressed some of the doctrinal problems in Colossians chapter 2, Paul is turning the corner. He's going to address what this new life in Christ means. He's going to serve as an equipped translator, if you will... Right? He's carried along by the Holy Spirit in writing, but he's going to be translating, if you will, to the church in Colossae, and by extension to you and me, what it means for the church to walk in Christ, connected to Christ. And church, I pray that this text and the riches that go along with being connected to Christ will take root in your heart and your mind that you might know with certainty, with certainty, all that Christ has accomplished for you through his death, burial, resurrection, and that you might realize each day of your new creation life that Christ is the one in whom are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I didn't make that up, by the way. That's in Colossians chapter 2, verse 3. You see, the condition in verse 1 describes an act That happened in the past. An act that didn't happen by the way on your own. It was an act that was initiated by God. In sending his son. An act of Jesus which took him to the cross. His death and burial preceded his being raised from the dead. I want you to notice. The power of God raised Jesus from the dead. That says. That's in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 20. Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And seated him Where? At his right hand in the heavenly places. Boy, those are familiar words as it pertains to the text today. The text in Colossians says, if then you were raised with Christ. Do you realize that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is also the power at work in you, enabling you also to be raised with Christ. If you are connected to Christ by grace through faith, that's how that connection happens. You have died with Christ, you've been buried with Christ, you've been raised with Christ. What I want you to see this morning in this opening conditional statement in chapter 3 verse 1 of Colossians, I want you to see that it's true. It's true. Not only for the saints and faithful brethren in Colossae. This opening conditional statement is true for you if you are in Christ here today. That's good news. Glorious news. Glorious news. Having been raised with Christ. You see, that means something for the new creation in Christ. That means something for the new creation in Christ. You need to understand something about your union with Christ. If you are connected to Christ and have looked to the Son for your only hope of salvation, then I want you to know some good news. In fact, that's what we're talking about in this series. Gospel. This is the gospel. This is the good news. You've died with Christ. You've been buried with Christ. And you sit here today having been raised with Christ. So to say that you are raised with Christ implies that you have died and been buried with Christ. To say that you have died with Christ implies that you have been raised. For church, we need to understand this. You're connected to and now serve a living Savior. Amen. You know, there'll be be some amen, some response to that. We serve a risen Savior. That's good news. Okay? Let's, Let's be mindful of that. It's good news. Let's carry it around with us. So as you read 3 verse 1, I want you to know with certainty that the first part of this statement is true if you were in Christ. You are raised with Christ. Just as you were once connected to a representative named Adam. You remember that in Romans chapter 5 verse 12? You were once connected, all of us were once connected to our representative God selected for us, Adam. And if you continue reading in Romans chapter 5, you see where that connection is. Landed us. You see what that means for us if we remain connected to Adam through one man. What's it say? Sin entered. Death came as a result of that, and death spread to all men because what? All sinned. That's Romans five twelve, church. But it doesn't stop there. Praise the Lord. Because in that same text in Romans 5, it talks about one man who through his obedience to his father, that would be Jesus Christ. Obedience to his father. He has made many righteous. That's how you become the righteousness of God. It's through Christ Jesus, church. Okay? All right. So that's, that's the connection. In light of that being true, let's look at the imperative that's attached to the conditional statement. It says, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. I want you to notice that the imperative is not issued to a certain group of Christians. No elite status here among believers. The message is for each one connected to Christ. Seek those things which are above. This is not just for elders, not just for deacons. Not just for those who may be leading in the church. Not just those who have had 20 years of experience of being a believer in Christ. This is for all who are in Christ. The call goes out. Seek those things which are above. So question. Let's ask some questions of the text. What do we know about these things above? Well, the things above, according to the text, things above are where Christ is. Well, where's Christ? What's he doing? The text says he's sitting at the right hand of God. Well, what is it to seek those things which are above? What's it mean to seek those things? Seek, the word seek means to strive for, to aim at. That we're striving in this direction now. Why? Because we're a new creation in Christ, church. We're connected to Christ. There's now a different way we're going to be walking. The implication here is effort. There's effort involved. There's exertion. There's exercising our bodies in a certain manner, in a certain direction now. The command here flows out of, let's, let's, let's notice this, the command flows out of one's position in Christ. Having been raised with Christ, the believer in Christ is to be about present tense work. Exercising his faith. Striving for, aiming at those things which are above. Church, how much of your time, and how much of your energy is consumed seeking those things which are above where Christ is? You answer that question. You take that before the Lord. You might be inclined to wonder why the need to seek those things which are above. What exactly am I seeking here? That's a good question to ask of the text. If you turn for just a moment to Ephesians chapter 1. When you get a chance, it might be helpful to read Ephesians chapter 1. It contains, I believe, one of the best explanations of all that's available to you. Being connected to Jesus Christ. Look at verse 3. Keep in mind, Ephesians is also written to the saints, to those who are connected to Christ. So he's writing Ephesians to another group that's already connected. It's a connected group of believers. And he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. That may be a verse to mark and underline if you write in your Bible. And to just take to heart and memory. Because you see these spiritual blessings, they come from God. He bestows them upon us. Let me ask, how many questions, or how many blessings, excuse me. How many blessings come from God according to this verse? How many? Every single one of them. Every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing available to us comes from the hand of God. Now, let me ask another question. Where does Christ fit into all this? If God is the one blessing us with all of these spiritual blessings, where does Christ fit into this? If we're connected to Christ, what we need to remember, God sent his only begotten son down out of the heavenly places... He sent them down to earth to do what? To save his people from their sins. He took care of their sin problem once for all through his death on the cross. Whereby he took your sins upon himself in his flesh. And he paid the redemption price for your sins. He was buried. And then three days later according to the Bible. He was raised to life. And shortly thereafter Jesus did what? He ascended to return to his father where he is now sitting at the right hand of God. I want you to see this, church. Every spiritual blessing you have has been given to you by God in Christ Jesus. I hope you're beginning to see the importance of your connection with Jesus. Jesus was with God. How many of you know he was with God in the beginning? John chapter 1, verse 2. He was with God in the beginning by Jesus. All things were created that are in heaven, and that are on earth... Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. I didn't make that up either. That's Colossians, the beginning, chapter 1. You see, having been with the Father from all eternity, think about this, he came down to our level and became a man was born of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit. Those blessings from God were packaged in his Son in the form of love. For God so loved the world. what did he do? He gave his only begotten Son. You see, church, we need to understand, the heavenly blessings of God came right on time when he sent Jesus. Through Jesus' work on the cross... He carried out the will of the Father, and in the process, he made manifest. He made manifest. He made it known. He revealed God's heavenly blessings and delivered them firsthand to man right here on earth. Reminds me of the song, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Remember that? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. That song now has anchor, has root right here in the scripture in what we're talking about. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost because they're all connected and they're all doing these works together. Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Those things which are above are connected to Christ who is connected to God, the Father. Those things which are above point to where Christ is. But how, you might ask, do the spiritual blessings in Christ, how do they operate in you in me down here on earth? Good question. The answer to that is found in the promised Holy Spirit. You see, He is the one, the Bible says, who dwells within you if you are connected to Christ. He is your, in fact, connection to Christ. Your connection to God is through Christ who resides in the heavenlies at the right hand of God, and yet the Spirit is the person who came down with power, Acts 1-8, remember, From on high, that power from on high came down. So do you see how God has channeled his blessings to flow to you and through you now? Do you see how gracious he is to open the heavenly blessings to you here on earth? You see, the spirit is only going to point you to the things of Christ who is above sitting with the father where he awaits now a second coming. And we look forward to that. So you have a direct representative in the Holy Spirit operating in you now, manifesting the spiritual blessings of Christ in your life. That is good news. Go back to Colossians 3.1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek, aim, strive for those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. In addition to seeking those things which are above, I want you to look at the second imperative in verse 2. It says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth if we were to look at the, the literal rendering here, here's what it would say. Those things above seek, those things above think. That's essentially in a nutshell what that says, those two commands. Those things above seek, those things above Think. I want you to remember that the commands come as a result of one having been raised with Christ. If you are connected to Christ, in Christ, having believed and received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are now called, according to the Bible, to seek those things which are above and to set your mind on things above. The alternative here, let's think about it. What's the alternative with your mind? It's to set it loose on the things on the earth. That's the alternative here. There's no middle road. There's no gray area. James 4.4 Adulterers, adulteresses do you not know that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. 1 John 2.15 Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 1 Peter 2.13-16 Therefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts. In other words, reckon yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. That's the Romans version of what Peter's saying here. As he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it's written, be holy for I am holy. You see, church, there's a connection here. Our union with Christ has much to do with our pursuit of holiness. Being in Christ implies that holiness is something we ought to be pursuing. Be holy because why? Because he's holy. Okay. That's good. We ought to want and desire that because that's who God is. He's called us to that. That's who God is. He's calling us unto himself. You know, I was reminded of the transition in the book of Romans. After 11 chapters of doctrinal truth, Romans 12 is the starting point for applying that doctrinal truth. Have you ever considered how Paul begins applying what he's just taught? And these are so familiar verses, but sometimes maybe we just miss the familiar. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable worship. How about seek those things which are above. Strive for those things which are above. Aim for those things which are above. Look at verse 2. And do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. How? How? By this word of God, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In other words, set your mind on things above. It seems like Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2 capture the ideas, the commands right here in Colossians chapter 3. If you have a mind set on things of the world, the love of the Father cannot be in you. You know, one who is in Christ, connected to Christ, is now consumed with the things of Christ. You remember Galatians chapter 5, 24 and 25. And Paul says there, he says, and those who are Christ. Question day, maybe are you Christ? Am I Christ? Am I in him? Those who are Christ, Paul says, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. That, by the way, is something we are to do together as a church, as a body. Walk together. Colossians 3, verse 2. I want you to notice it's connected to Colossians 3, verse 3. Paul, in verse 3, submits a poignant reminder. It's a reminder of why you need to carry out the charges here in verses 1 and 2. Three words. For you died. For you died. In what manner did the saints and faithful brethren in Colossae die? They died, here it is, they died in Christ... Verse 1, references having been raised with Christ. Verse 3, references having died with Christ. The connection, church, is in Christ. Literally, this would make no sense. Because if he's charging the believers, think about it, to seek and think things above. And then as a reason for doing, doing so, he says, for you have died physically. Let's think about that. Doesn't make any sense. Right? Because if you're dead physically, you cannot exercise the command spoken of here... You're not going to be exercising any commands... ...if your body is dead. Okay? So, Paul is speaking of your spiritual union with Christ... ...which is not, church, some far-off vague notion... ...just only helpful to put away in, a, in some catalog file... ...for good information from the Scriptures. No. That's not what we're talking about this morning. This spiritual union that you have in Christ... ...is intended to impact your new creation status... ...right now. Right now. Today. Present tense. Okay? It's as though Paul's saying... Remember who you are, church. Remember who you are being in Christ. Seek those things above where Christ is. Set your mind on things above. For you died with Christ. Don't you remember that? You can almost picture him taking some of them. Don't you remember who you are in Christ? Some of you this morning need one of those. You need somebody just to come up to you and just gently, lovingly, but firmly shake you a little bit and say, don't you remember who you are in Christ? Church, this is a wake-up call. If we've been given this good news, this gospel, which is centered in the person of Jesus Christ, and now today we're seeing about the difference our connection makes with Jesus. This ought to our lives ought to be lived differently and yet i believe sadly that there's so many who are in christ are settling for so much less it's like the man it's like the man who's been is left behind an inheritance of millions and millions of dollars and yet he's only using pennies of it each day you've been given much in christ Look at verse 3 again. You died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. Remember a second thing. It's almost as a, I want you to remember. It's attached to the fact that you've died with Christ. What's it mean? if You've died with Christ. Well, let's just in general. You've died to sin. Died to self. Died to the things of the world. For starters. That's a good starter list of things you've died to. Being in Christ. Died with Christ. Your life is hidden with Christ. It's one writer says, it's kept laid up with God. That's the idea here. Which reminded me in many ways of the passage in 1 Peter chapter 1, 3-5, which says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away. Listen, reserved in heaven for you. Who are kept by the power of God, through faith, for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. You can also look at Ephesians chapter 2, 5, 6, and 7. That'll tell you a lot about your position in Christ. You are seated with him. You are seated together with him. This is all about God's kindness, that word kindness. God's kindness is right there in Ephesians chapter 2. We serve a kind, a good, loving God. To those who are called saints... The charge goes out to seek those things which are above and to set your mind on things above. If you have been raised with Christ, these things are to be exercised. And so Paul then, in verse 3, which is the back end of the commands, he gives a reminder, a purpose for exercising the commands. For you've died with Christ. The curriculum of things above is now put before you. Being a new creation in Christ, you now have a new curriculum for walking. You know, as you progress in your school, each year, many of you have different books, different curriculum that you take on. Praise the Lord, you're not using the same curriculum every year, right? You're feeding on some meat, hopefully, in some of your school, in some of your education, especially as you get up into higher learning. education, You're learning new things. Your curriculum changes. When you become a new creation in Christ, your curriculum changes. You're walking a different way now. You're doing things differently. Because of that connection that you have with Christ. How does being crucified with Christ. How does that connect to my life in God. Well the Galatians 2.20 passage is one. He says I live by faith in the son of God. No longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. And so this life which I now live. I live in the flesh. I live by faith. New curriculum. I live by faith in the son of God. The one who loved me and gave himself for me. Romans six four through 7 He says therefore we were buried with him through baptism, into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead, listen to this, by the glory or power of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. Newness. For if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing that our old man was crucified with him. Our old man. Was crucified with him. That the body of sin, that receptacle that held, that, that was the container in which our sin was manifested, that the body of sin might be rendered inoperative, unplugged, right? Just like the power source, just unplugged, might be unplugged, inoperative. Why? That we should no longer be slaves. You know, a sla- you know, when I think of a slave, sometimes I think about a ball and a chain attached to my leg. Sometimes that's what I think of when I'm being a slave. I'm walking around, i got a ball and a chain to me. Some of you right now are walking around, and you still are walking around with that ball and chain. And what a sad picture, because you know what? You are being in Christ. We've failed to understand, I think on many occasions, what it means to be in Christ. The ball and chain has been destroyed. It's been taken off. It's been released. You are now meant to be free to walk and live in Christ. This is one of the glorious, glorious news of the gospel. What a sad picture. Believers in Christ. Walking around. That ball and chain. When God sent his son to take care of the sin that so easily entangles. He took care of it. He demolished it. He destroyed it. Do we live like that? Do we live in light of what Christ has done? Are we remembering our connection to Christ in our day-to-day living church? Here's what we need to see from the text. Our connection to Christ not only changes our relationship to sin. This is important. Because oftentimes we only see the the difference that this makes perhaps in our sin. We talk a lot about what Jesus did. He, He took away our sins. And that's wonderful. Praise God he did that. But our connection to Christ is intended to change the way we live. Also... Okay, I mean, think about it. Your connection to Christ, having died with him, having been raised with him, impacts the sin that once entangled you. But now, because of what Christ accomplished once for all at the cross, his atonement for your sins is intended to impact your living. You are no longer to live for yourselves. And to, to just hammer this home here, and we're about done. Hang with me on this. There's some writers, I believe, that, uh, in studying this week that that said this much better than I could say it, so I'm going to use their words here. One writer, Mr. Spurgeon, he says, if God has given to you and to me an entirely new life in Christ, how can that new life spend itself after the fashion of the old life? Shall the spiritual life live? Shall the spiritual live as the carnal? How can you that were the servants of sin, but have been made free by precious blood, go back to your old slavery? Thomas Boston writes to a natural man, his sweet self is his all, but grace turns self off the throne and sets up Christ in its stead. While the man is separated from Christ, he has separate interests from Christ. But when he is united to Christ, when he's connected to him, these are swallowed up in Christ's interests, as the rivers, when they go into the sea, have no more of their separate channels. Such is the difference between one separated from and one united to Christ. Preacher that many of you probably have heard, Martin Lloyd-Jones, speaks to this new creation life. And he asks, what is regeneration? Another word for What does it mean to be a new creation? He says, I cannot think of a better definition than this. Regeneration is an act of God by which a principle of new life is implanted in man and the governing disposition of the soul is made holy. That is regeneration. It means that God, by his mighty action, puts a new disposition into my soul. Notice, he says, I'd say disposition, not faculties. What man in sin needs is not new faculties. What he needs is a new disposition. What is the difference, you ask, between faculties and disposition? It's something like this. The disposition is that which determines the bent and the use of the faculties. The disposition is that which governs and organizes the use of the faculties. So, the difference between the sinner and the Christian, the unbeliever and the believer, is not that the believer... The Christian has certain faculties that the other man lacks. Now, what happens is that this new disposition given to the Christian directs his faculties in an entirely different way... What is new is a new bent, a new disposition. He has turned in a different direction. There is a new power working in him and guiding his faculties. That is the thing that makes a man a Christian. There is this principle of life in him, this new disposition, and it affects the whole man. It affects his mind. It affects his heart. It affects his will. Church, that's good. And that's so important for us to know what it means to be a new creation. To understand what it means to be connected to him as a new creature in Christ. So this connection with Christ is rooted in the past. Rooted in the work of Christ at the cross. But the work of Christ in the past is intended to be lived out. Applied in the present for the believer. And when you read Ephesians 1 later today. You'll notice one of the many blessings listed there. Is an inheritance. There's something yet to come. Something for which we long for being in Christ. Christ. ...having been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise... ...who is the guarantee of our inheritance... ...as Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. I'm reading that to you because it directly relates to Colossians 3, verse 4... ...which speaks to the future. When Christ, who is our life, appears... ...then you also will appear with Him. There it is. Then you also will appear with Him in glory. So the connection you have in Christ is rooted from eternity past... The connection you have in Christ is to be exercised in the present. But the connection you have in Christ continues into the future. What we would call eternity future. This is good news. Let me remind you of what Paul says in Thessalonians chapter 4. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. If we believe that. Even so, God will bring with him those who sleep, those who die in Jesus, in Jesus, in Christ. Look for that connection in the scriptures you read, in Christ, in him, to him. Those are all references to our union, to being with him. Paul says, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep or dead. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, And the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. That's good news. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then, when, then, when, then, when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout what? Victory. We'll get to actually celebrate, truly celebrate that victory. That was accomplished, by the way, long ago. The victory stems from some good news, church. You know, there was a time when the word for the gospel, that word gospel, there was a time when that word gospel spoke of The report of victory that was brought back from battle. You realize that early on that was that was the understanding of the word. It was a report of victory that was brought back from battle. Well, the gospel, one writer says, the gospel here is the good news of Jesus' victory over Satan, sin, and death. It's also, it's also the good news that we too can triumph eternally over those enemies. And how can we do that? Through Him. That's how it has to do with our connection with Christ. And there is a sweet victory in Jesus. You know, perhaps that's why the Hebrew writer exhorts us to run with endurance the race of faith. You are connected to Christ by grace through faith. Run this race of faith looking unto Jesus. If you are in Christ, there is no other way to run this race. In fact, victory only comes to those who are connected to Jesus. We need to know that. We need to understand that. The gospel marker of being in Christ provides extensive understanding of all that God has done for you through Jesus Christ. The benefits of being in Christ are many. Read Ephesians 1. There are other passages, but I encourage you especially to read Ephesians 1. The demands of being in Christ. Seek those things above. Set your mind on things above. These demands of Christ, being in Christ, they're costly, sacrificial in nature, but they are, church, representative of the life of Christ himself as he lived his life. But the glorious hope of things yet to come in Christ. We shall behold him. We shall behold him, Jesus. And in light of that church, Everyone who has this hope in him, the Bible says that right now in the present tense, we ought to be about purifying ourselves. There is work to be done until then. We are to be about purifying ourselves just as he is pure. Let's be about the work, not as a bunch of individuals but as a bunch of individuals that are connected to the head, to Christ, and connected to one another. Let's be about the work together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It's a good word. We give you praise for this word, and thank you for the glorious news of what it means to be connected to you. Father, we are grateful for all that you've done for us. We give you praise. Pray your word would take root in our hearts That seeds have been planted this day, Lord, that we would be changed as a result of what your word says. That we would be desirous to walk in the way of your word. Help us in this, Father, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.